Some people have hay fever. I've got vibe fever. <laughs> it's um, the vape clouds have cleared. It's officially time for episode 55 of Corporate Lunch. Hey, Noah. This is uh, GQ Styles Fashion uh, Lifestyle Customer Service Podcast. Um, brought to you by me, Noah, and I'm here with Sam and Rachel. What's up? Hey. As, as, as we do. Nice sunglasses, Rachel. Thank you. Rachel stole a pair of sunglasses from Sam, and uh, there's not a damn thing Sam can do about it. <laughs> what do they call it? Ownership is, what is the, um, the legal term for when possession is 90% of ownership? I don't know. You just have to take something and say it's yours. It's <laughs> a loving relationship. Corporate lunch, one, you know, a lot of what we do here is, is based on the weather. <laughs> yeah. It's a weather and a customer seasonal, service podcast. It's a meteorological uh, seasonally driven podcast event, if you will. But you were like the other day, you were like, "Oh, it's so nice out now." And what it's made me realize is, and I thought you were going to say something just about like how beautiful the human body is now that you can see more of it. But what you said is, um, there are no more freaks, and you were really disappointed. Yeah, because when I walk down the street in such freak capitals as the Lower East Side, yep. the East Village, Upper West Side, Park Slope. The Financial District. Financial District. These are the freak capitals? I think those are freak <laughs> capitals. <laughs> I'm with it, fine. Um, I'm not seeing any freaks. I'm just seeing like adults on scooters. Yeah, I know. Uh, and you mean freaks in like the It's just Matthew a bunch of jewel- jeweling longboarders in fedoras. I saw a longboarder almost eat shit on the way to work today. I just, he was like pushing, you know, wide push Mongo guy. And I just thought, and then he like hit a puddle and got water on his board and like picked it up and was just devastated that there was water on his grip tape. Yeah. Yeah. I I did like a Bart Simpson laugh in his face. (laughs) Skated by and did a kickflip. I mean, ideally, if someone is attracting your attention, you should be like, man, like, what are they doing? That's great. (laughs) Well, the sad reality is freaks have become annoying. They are, um, they're distracting. They are, you know, unproductive and they're um, making all the rest of us less productive. But productivity is really bad. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I think um, you listen to the least productive podcast. <laughs> if you're productive, that means you have a firm grip on what you're doing. Yeah, you need to loosen the grip. Exactly. You need to loosen the grip because <laughs> it's bringing you down and it's bringing all of us down with you. You need to remain in control, but loosen the grip. What we really are here to talk about is the wedding of Mark Jacobs and his uh, longtime partner, the vape god. What's his name? Char de Francesco. Yeah, amazing guy. Um, he's a he's now a luxury chandler. Congratulations to them and to Mark Jacobs, a true a true freak of New York. But I was thinking about it and like Mark J. Ja- there's a lot to talk about um, with Mark Jacobs because he's a legend and he's recently had a, a third or fourth rebirth. I don't know what what like where we're at with the count of his many lives. But now he's like just the fashion god of our time. He's like the number one Balenciaga customer and um allegedly. Uh yeah, that's just a a guess. But you know, historically is he free he's a great like New York freak. He's a real freak. I mean, he's a celebrity, but Right. Well, I think in part it helps cuz he grew up in New York. 
But he worked at, as a teenager, he worked at Charavari. Yeah. Which is kind of like, I mean, was like the Totokayo or like, um, yeah, you know, whatever of its time. You could get like Komi Garcon and Yoji Yamamoto and stuff there, right? Yeah, yeah. And they were like friends with all the, those designers. You know who might have worked there is Daiki Suzuki from Nepenthes. He came mm. to New York in the 80s and worked in like um, high-end fashion boutiques. Yeah. I wonder if they worked together. That would, that be, would be amazing. Mark didn't, Mark didn't <clears throat> like, he wasn't one of those guys who like emerged from fashion school or whatever, like as a fully formed freak. You know, he went through a period where he was like a little overweight, had like a long ponytail and like nerdy glasses. And he dressed kind of like, he dressed sort of like normcore before Phoebe Philo did. But young uh, Mark Jacobs is like a style legend. I mean, he's on oh, every mm-hmm. every mood board has like one of those photos of Mark Jacobs with the ponytail. Well, the good ones, yeah. But <laughs> but but that's a but it's a different kind of no such thing as a good mood board. It's a much different. Uh, you, you know, you reference the different versions. Uh, yeah. Or, or sort of yeah. rebirths of Mark Jacobs. Version one is like a completely different vision than version whatever three one, or four. One point Every An version outsider. is really different. Yeah. Noah's right. was chain smoking Marlboro Lights. I like, was. Um, I did say like that I wanted to, knowing three. that we were going to talk about Mark Jacobs. I wanted to because I just reread the 2008 um, Ariel Levy New Yorker profile of Mark. Right. Which is amazing. Um, it's a great profile of a fashion designer, and there's just like, it was a 2008 Mark Jacobs was a really good Mark Jacobs. Right. And she makes the great. She kind of summarizes him perfectly in like the first paragraph because. This is when, 2008 is when, I guess it's like pre-financial crash. Um, So it's still like, you know, rich and crazy New York. And she says that like the two people who have reshaped the West Village are Carrie Bradshaw and Mark Jacobs. And Carrie Bradshaw is a fictional character, whereas Mark Jacobs is a real person, or at least he used to be, (laughs) which is like such an, and he's, at that point, he's totally like embodied this, um, this kind of almost like fictionalized or at least idealized fa- fairy tale version of a f- Parisian fashion designer yeah. who's really fit and really trim and has this, you know, apartment filled with like Francis Picabia and like Warhol yeah. and like all these amazing artists and these like dogs and this, you know, West Village townhouse yeah. and this hunky boyfriend and all this sort of thing. He's kind of on top of the world and had also like at that point, I guess, brought, you know, uh, from uh, from a design perspective, was also doing really interesting things by like bringing all these artists like Murakami to work on Vuitton. Well, it's funny. We like, you know, for those who just started paying attention to fashion yesterday and, uh, you know, there's excitement around, you know, new designer at at Vuitton or Dior. And but like. Mark Jacobs basically came from sort of obscurity to Perry Ellis and famously did that grunge collection that was like silk shirts that were printed like flannel and um, cashmere thermals. It was like a very direct, I mean, everyone sort of knows it and they just kind of remade part of it, right? Or who, Mm -hmm. did Perry Ellis or did he he just made it? Yeah, and he actually like bought a lot of it on eBay because he didn't have a complete archive of that collection, nor did Perry Ellis because they fired him I think yeah. they weren't yeah. pleased with it at the time but um so he had to like scour eBay for the pieces and then he asked some of his friends as well like Courtney Love if they had she some had stuff. some hanging yeah. around um so anyway yeah Perry Ellis fired him but of course it's like one of the most legendary 
uh, fashion collections of all time. And then and then Vuitton hired him a few years later, like, and it sort of really rattled. It, people didn't really know what to do or what to think. Right. What do, do you know? Remember when he was appointed to Vuitton? It was. I think it was late 1996. I think it was. Yeah. Because his because first collection was fall 2007. And wasn't he the? Sorry. Well, his fall first. Yeah, and his first big New Yorker profile was. Um, sort of tracking his first, the making of his first Vuitton collection, which right. I think got pushed from fall 2016 to spring 2017 or something like that. 19. Sorry, 19. <laughs> Sam can't sorry. remember because he wasn't born. Then. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, it was 2016. Fall 19. Yeah. Again, nothing, so, no, yeah, no, everything, nothing everything in the world has happened in the last five years. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is exactly right. That's Condensed. Actually, that's totally true. It was right after World War II in 2015. <laughs> but. Uh, um, but that was like that was like when Vuitton was basically launching ready to wear. Ready to wear, yeah. Launched them right. He was the first creative director, or the first ready to wear designer of mm-hmm. of of Vuitton. So, in a sense, that's really the beginning, and he and that that's the beginning of him becoming a star, and that's the beginning of sort of like the whole fashion cycle uh, designer revolving door thing that as we know it today, right? Yeah. I mean, there were celebrity designers before that, but it wasn't the same sort of like. Uh, buzz and 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 like upheaval around new appointments. Right, right. Well, and and also just a lot of the things that he did there are still things that people are doing today. You know, like he um, at one point had like he was so like tickled by the idea that people were you know ripping off his Murakami and like Steven Sprouse bags right. that uh he like recreated a canal street like stall yeah and bought a bunch of the i don't know if he bought the fake pieces or showed his real pieces but he did this at the brooklyn museum uh, in 2008 well they, they were sold, selling bags for like three thousand bucks so they, they were, were real, selling real bags okay. yeah real pieces but he hired like canal street people to sell them yeah i bought a um a, a white murakami belt from on canal street a real fake like a really nice one and yeah. it was like did that Sick. whole thing where i like lurked on canal street they weren't that easy to get there it still isn't but it's not like guys guys weren't just out with with all the vuitton stuff on tables you had to have someone kind of get it for you or bring yeah. you bring you somewhere i think because of they would get raided and stuff and um yeah i got the white belt with the rainbow monogram and it was just so sick yeah the rainbow I mean, monogram yeah. was really cool and it's pretty wild to think about Mark Jacobs in 96 coming to Vuitton and being like, yeah, we're going to get more Kami to do this and we're going to do this Stephen Sprouse thing and we're going to get Richard Prince to do this. Like, We're going to get Annie Leibovitz to shoot our campaign photos. Yeah. The Mikhail Gorbachev yeah. thing <laughs> so is iconic. really incredible. I totally like had not remembered that. But like not to be too much like, oh, you know, we've seen it before, but it's just it's just funny like, op- you know, open up Hypebeast – and just like again and again, it's like so and so designer working with so and so artist, and there's supposed to be like all this excitement around it. But it's just kind of like, yeah, it's over. It's like 25 years ago, this thing started, and you're still just doing the same thing over and over again. Right. Yeah, I mean, Mark. Mark to Jacobs, like a slightly different effect, but yeah, but like Mark Jacobs really set the table for like everything that Virgil's doing at Vuitton. I mean, he was like probably as controversial an appointment at the time. And like his his uh, his mission at Vuitton was like even more radical, given yeah. like the context of of sort of like what people thought of of Vuitton at the time, which was like not as uh, 
really cool high fashion or like even like remotely downtown brand. It was like what, you know, like your rich parents brought to the airport or whatever. It was a luggage yeah. company. Well, also worth noting that Mark came on to, to you know, launch a women's ready to wear collection and men's didn't wasn't around for a long mm-hmm. time. He never did a men's collection. I don't think I think Kim Jones launched it, right? At Vuitton? Yeah, I think Kim Jones launched it. Fact check. Um but I know that he <clears throat> did do menswear in his own for Mark Jacobs. Yeah, right. for Mark Jacobs. I'm just just saying that like the difference is Virgil you know, Vuitton still has a women's designer, Nicholas Gasquier, and Virgil does men's. Right. Which is kind of equally radical. The fact that that at the at that time the men there was no men's business worth that sort of energy mm-hmm. or money or investment and now there is because it's a golden age of menswear it really is thanks to um, GQ style and me really specifically well I think the other thing that's worth pointing out about Mark Jacobs is that a lot of there are so many stories in the fashion industry of people sort of like fanning out you know like. It's sort of like they lose this like big appointment and like their business goes, yeah. you know, their business has a big turn down or like, <clears throat> you know, they just kind of like fade away or like people sort of stop caring about them. You know, like I was reading earlier this week, this profile in New York magazine of Anna Wintour from 1999 and like the only person they could find to like speak ill of Anna Wintour was Jeffrey Bean. And he like <laughs> really takes her down. And I was like, well, you know, like, I guess I know who Jeffrey Bean is because I've read a bunch of, like, weird Bergdorf Goodman, like, <laughs> stories. But, like, you know, like, in 1999, I guess Jeffrey Bean insulting you, like, meant something. But now that just, like, you know, it's, like, most people don't know who that is. Yeah. Even though he was, like, legendary, I guess is what I mean. But with Mark Jacobs, it's, like, even, like, in, uh, I think it was June of last year, the New York Times wrote a story that was, like, man, like, what happened to Mark Jacobs? Like, <laughs> his business, like, is really tanked. Yeah. And, like, you know, he had to shutter his menswear, which is, like, you know, really unfortunate for us. And, like, uh, I mean, of course, the New York Times. Um, and, like, all of a sudden, like, less than a year later, he's like, yeah, I'm having, like, this amazing Four Seasons wedding. <laughs> and every, wo- every woman in New York is talking about that clothing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. he, like, so suddenly turned himself around. And it ne- now seems to be, like, in a great and happy place. Do you think that he had, like, tied him? He aligned himself too much to, like, the... Well, he didn't intentionally, but he was too aligned or tied to the Carrie Bradshaw West Village Magnolia Bakery thing. Like... Bleecker Street, which is this stretch of West Village that used to be this like thriving like like uh, style epicenter of New York City, has eventually has essentially just become a vacant sort of wasteland, and all of his stores were shuttered. And I think in part because that attitude of New York is just no longer cool or interesting, not even to tourists. Right. I mean, my so my understanding of his business is that a lot of the cash influx came from Mark by Mark Jacobs. Right. 
And there were, I think there were maybe even like two Mark by Mark Jacobs on Bleecker Street. Yeah, they were like, like across like right the street. Yeah. They were right next to each other. Um, and I think that that's where like most of the money came from in the business. And when people started talking about the death of retail, like wah, wah. maybe like a little less than 10 years ago. If retail th- is dead, then where did I get all these awesome clothes? Well, I think you didn't get them at a mall in Ohio. <laughs> no. <laughs> where you used to be able to get Mark by Mark Jacobs. Right, and I right. think once that sort of started to stumble... Yeah, um, things became more difficult for him. But now he, be- I think most of their money now comes from their beauty business, which they launched a couple of years ago. The men's stuff was pretty dope, and it is a shame it doesn't exist. And maybe it'll come back because um, I think Mark Jacobs is just like a forever kind of guy. Yeah. And um, Phoebe Philo was at his wedding and seemed to have a great time. Yeah. There's a picture over there. Laughing hysterically. And um, his husband, a prolific vapor, uh, vaped prolifically. Mm-hmm. And Mark wore an Anderson. Wait, what? Where was the suit from? Anderson and Shepard. Yeah. Oh, Huntsman. yeah. But Seville wrote mm-hmm. that he had that was kind of insane, but gloriously cut. I know that the trousers were wide and kind of pooled up at the bottom, and they looked awesome. And then the shoulder was what was going on aggressively. with the aggressive roping on the shoulder. Yeah. Like exaggerated, sort of cartoonish shoulders, yeah. And what kind of shoes did he wear? Do we know? Custom Gucci. Oh, um, that's right. He had all these Gucci heels. Alessandra made him like three pairs of patent uh, heeled boots. That's extremely cool. What else did he wear? Do we know? Any other know credits? That, yeah, I think those are the only credits we have. It's not too often that there is like a party or event that fi- that creates that kind of energy. So congratulations to Mark Jacobs. I yeah. think I hope he got exactly what he wanted. Was Raph there? I don't. I don't think he was there. Um, we were. We've been talking about the friendship between Raph and Mark, Raph Simmons and Mark Jacobs. Raph used to be a fixture at Mark's shows. Yeah, I think that they. I did a little digging, and I, th- Mark, like we were saying, Mark has become. I don't. I don't know if he's become, but it's 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 hit our radar that he is like this great supporter of of the other of the great designers of of our time currently. And we were trying to figure out, I was like, well, maybe he and Raph got close while Raph was in New York doing Calvin, and that was interesting to Mark. But no, it would have been an LVMH thing where they didn't overlap, but Raph was at Dior as Mark was ending his time at Vuitton and had, um, I think Mark was, there's the LVMH prize, which Mark and Raph were both judges on. That's where the friendship began. That's really sweet. If anyone cares, (laughs) it's kind of a... We need to do a whole episode on fashion friends. Um, well, so Raph gave sort of an interview to the Garden Guardian, the Garden to Garden and Gun magazine. <laughs> is that what it's called? That's a magazine, yeah. right? Garden and Gun. This is Corporate Lunch, the Garden and Gun podcast. <laughs> um, the customer service uh, podcast for all your garden and gun needs. Um, what was in that Raph interview? Anything interesting? He did, He's just doing the thing that every fashion designer does when they get bored or don't want to have to talk about the thing everyone wants them to talk about, which is they say they're making furniture and textiles. It's just the go-to. Yeah. That's, the why, only- he, that's or why he didn't art. go to Mark's wedding. He was too busy um, designing upholstery. With right. with Kvadrat? Kvadrat. Yeah. It's a Danish. I um, guess the A really company. sick Danish textile company. In fact, if you're going to have anything reupholstered or upholstered, I recommend their their product. The only like juicy thing that he said in the interview was, you know, 
like mm. I can't really talk about Calvin Klein because I signed an NDA. Yeah. But what you read in the press is not always what happened. <laughs> <laughs> and I wonder, like, after he had this kind of, I guess what some people would refer to as a debacle, what I might refer to as a stunning success, yeah. giving an I mean, interview I'm... after Dior and being like, they made me do like a hundred collections a year, which is totally unfeasible and I hated it, so I quit. Yeah. Um, which he got in a lot of trouble for. I think they, they oh, pursued really? legal action against him. Oh, for they tried that. to take away his severance or something? Yeah. For that statement? For Yes, for this interview that he gave post Dior, which I don't think was to Kathy Horn. I think it was in System Magazine. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I just wonder, like, what is the, the, like that Calvin Klein NDA must be pretty wild. Well, especially because they didn't, they didn't just, like, replace him with another designer. They shut down the entire runway high fashion luxury yeah arm of the company i was like i know that uh it raf isn't voluntarily leaving or walking away from fashion he's not doing that at all and i i think what do you think you think he'll launch women's you think he'll grow his brand the raf simmons brand to be a big hulking another another point in the guardian article that just like a, a sort of a throwaway fact is that um, he only has eight people working on his main line. Yeah, he's a tiny staff. Yeah. In a huge building that he owns in Antwerp that I've seen. And I've heard that those people are like, they're all like interns <laughs> and they're like barely paid. They like work for clothes. They're like fashion students. But, would, but Antwerp is full of fashion students that want to work for free for rap. Right. But I was just thinking like, all these designers that walk away do it right bef- at the moment when they like Helmut Lang left fashion and sh- and and walked away from his brand, which went on without him for a little while. Like right at the moment when brands like Rag and Bone and others were kind of like other American brands were bubbling up that were going to do things that are very basically very similar to what he had done. And I was sort of thinking, is Raph nearing that point where it's like? What's left for him to be done when everyone's doing the thing that he does? Yeah. Although I did think that the collection that, I guess it's, what is it, the fall 2019 collection, the one that he just most recently showed, yeah, was pretty exceptional. Yeah. Rachel and I saw it the other day. Um, big heat. Mm-hmm. It was really, really good. Really? Yeah. And those like couture silk duchess coats. Yeah. Like those seem to be like things of another level past like what he's done before yeah Mm -hmm. so anyway that's just what some of our favorite fashion designer celebrity people are up to these days shout out phoebe mark and raf um but back to oh and alessandro who made um raf's wedding shoes i don't really know why he had three pairs i guess the idea was to pick his favorite one did he change into three different pairs of shoes i think it was about picking one yeah i think he needed the color options he right he wouldn't know till the last minute selection is luxury and he went with the cream pair i believe with his greenish suit or was char's suit green they were were both both green wow why do you think they chose greenish suits is that the color of the moment it is now Green's kind of big right now, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's definitely not blue, I'll tell you that. What these shoes all right, so we gotta we have to take a minute to talk about high heeled shoes for men. Sorry, Rachel. I'm in. High heeled shoes product, high heeled corporate sh- lunch product corner. This is the corporate lunch product corner. I guess I don't have to say for men. It's really for anyone. But how high are your heels right now, Noah? 
Um, what am I wearing? Oh, I'm wearing Adidas Campus. So they're um, regular. They're platforms. They're platforms. Yep. Uh, I don't really own any high heel. The thing about he- heels for men. I have a theory. Okay. All right. <laughs> Give us the theory. The, first so, of all, only tall men like to wear high heels, yeah. which is annoying, but it's because they're so confident in their goddamn stature that they can do that. Whereas if you're short and you're wearing heels, then you look desperate and sad. Yeah. I mean, I think I think you may not have seen many high heels recently because the whole trend, because high heels for men are, are sort of intimately and inextricably linked with pants. And as pants became, as we sort of entered the golden age of wide and long pants, yeah. um, you know, and, and everyone just wanted to wear sneakers basically. Um, plus like, you know, like trust fund cocaine dealers were wearing those like suede Cuban heeled, um, you know, boots with yeah. really tight, like ripped jeans. Yeah. And that like, felt like it really ruined um the the sort of stacked heel boot for a while yeah um but i think that you know a couple designers like our friend raf um hider ackerman as well yeah um and this is raf at at calvin we were making like high-heeled or cuban-heeled boots and showing them with like wider swishier pants what makes something a cuban heel is there a specific shape or is the cuban heel just what you call because like a cuban-heeled boot has to have a pointy toe it doesn't no, just refer Cuban to the heel. heel. A Cuban heel it is cuts a back. It's like slant. Yeah. I see. Yeah, it cuts it. It has sort of like a forward stance or something. Yeah. And that only really works if I'm, I'm showing, showing the room. I'm showing mine too. Yeah. Both Sam and Rachel's I are wearing. Rachel's wearing. Rachel, what are your shoes? They, I got them from a cowboy boot store in Austin, Texas. They're, they're low, green, low, pointy. Low. They're cowboy shoes. Cowboy loafers. Yeah. Yeah. And then Sam's wearing our legacy Cuban. Cuban boots boots and both of them have a heel a stacked heel sam's are probably two inches an inch and a half two and a half two and a half maybe in the back i'm so tall right now they're not two and a half let me look it up right now and um they're stacked meaning they're made of of leather right stacked leather that's been cut into that shape yeah and uh i mean they kind of just look like cowboy boots they're really nice Thanks, man. I, you have to wear a, a slim pant with it, do you? No. So, so our legacy. I mean, I'm wearing them with like with 501s right now, but um, our legacy has shown them with like pretty wide, I guess slightly tapered, like like flowy trousers, pleated, with like a tapered leg opening, basically. So it like sits really nicely on the boot. It's a little bit long, and it kind of pulls, sort of like Marc Jacobs wedding fit. Um, I have not tried that yet. But it looks really fucking sick in their lookbooks. So what we're saying is that the the uh, extremely middle brow coke dealers of the mid aughts, you know, Coachella circa 2015, torn black jeans and and suede Cuban heel boots. That those guys are that we've we're taking the Cuban heel back from them. Yeah, I mean they're still God, doing it, so. but 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 the new sort of are like, you also going to take their like stringy tank tops and and brimmed hats? Yeah, definitely. Okay. The really wide, uh, yeah, we have one right here. Um, <laughs> but I think I think that there's, you know, like Hyder Ackerman and Raph yeah. and our legacy have, maybe have Celine, sort of proposed. Maybe, uh, yeah, Eddie at Celine. Well, you know, the, the thing for a long time was Saint Laurent and Eddie just owned it there, right? Yeah. So either you had those or you had nothing. Mag just got some pair of those that he's been. Those are nice. Talking about for years that have a huge heel, and he's also tall. Yeah, 
he's a giant now but i think i think they're all proposing like a sort of a sexier way of sexier of of wearing high-heeled boots that doesn't involve like the really tight skinny jean silhouette right which is which was sort of like the only way to wear the you know the suede are you gonna wear them with shorts uh yeah definitely just baggies all summer so i think part of maybe what is exciting about the long pool of pant Mm. with the heel Mm -hmm. is that it hides the heel Mm -hmm. a little bit so it makes you just look like way taller i mean that's something that like women have done for a long time Mm -hmm. right get your pant to go all the way to the floor over the shoe exactly um i think that could be a cool fall well well margella just started making tabbies for men yeah, that have right. a heel. Oh, yeah, that's like in the their second big heel thing. Their happening. second uh, collection of men's tabbies, they threw one in with the heel. And mm-hmm. we, as we saw on totakayo.com, they have the style with like big voluminous shorts, which I think looks very cool. Right. And like voluminous swishy pants, I think is really yeah. the only way to wear those. Tabbies. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, but tabbies are different because they're not pointy. What is the relationship to cowboy boots? Is that part of this discussion? Is it not part of this discussion? I mean, I think cowboy boots is a way to get in on the high heeled thing without, I mean, like that's just a totally different style. Like you have to wear that a little differently, but that might actually be related to like the wide, uh, the sort of swishier, wider pants silhouette with high, with stacked boots, because with cowboy boots, you have to wear a wider jean or, um, you know, crispy pressed pant or something because other, because if you wear the cowboy boot outside of your, if you, you can't tuck into the cowboy boot. The pant has to go above the The pant has to go outside of the boot. Um, And a lot of... Rachel's not so sure about that. Mm -mm. Rachel doesn't like these rules. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know who's... (laughs) Where are you coming up with this stuff? (laughs) I've just been doing my... I've just been doing a lot of research. I've been in the lab testing all these things. Sam's got a lot of boot rules. Um, You have been... The funny thing, though, Sam, that I'm thinking about now that we're discussing, we're bringing cowboy boots into this, is that... Ted Cruz famously, when you wrote that like tabby boots were like gonna happen for mm-hmm. men, Ted Cruz was like, "No way!" And it's like, as it turns out, Ted Cruz, you've been wearing high heels <laughs> the entire <Yeah>. time. <laughs> Jokes on you, man. Yeah, um, and I think I think um, the cowboy boots sort of coming back because people are like rediscovering the the sort of iconic classic brands like Lucchese. Like a lot of, you know, Virgil's making a cowboy boot at off-white that has like big text on the side. And a yeah. lot of designers are like, you know, Margella actually makes a pretty cool cowboy boot. But um, the classic cowboy boot brands, Rachel pointed this out the other day, are still the ones that like are the best and that everyone wants to get. Yeah. I mean, I, to, I don't own cowboy boots, but to me, um, it would be <clears throat> sort of like getting a a pair of loafers where it's like you just want to go to the companies that do it best and have right. been doing it for the longest. Right. You don't want a fashion cowboy boot. No. But you just mentioned off-white Margiela. But what we're really saying is that. Is like Lucchese. Lucchese is more the vibe. Yeah. That's, why does Lucchese is what? Italian? Texan. Why does it sound Italian? Might have been started by an Italian Texan guy. A spaghetti western. Mm-hmm. The, yeah, that was the whole thing, huh? A spaghetti western. Um, and then there's like there's like a, a Canadian cowboy brand. I'm forgetting the name, but like that's very legit too. Yeah, but um, I think the thing to do is like because I was reading about this a little bit yesterday. Like, the thing to do is like to go to like Dallas or yeah. to Austin yeah. and go to one of these places where they measure your foot. Yeah, and then like hand tool the boot for you, and it it could cost like six hundred dollars. It could cost like 
ten thousand dollars but they're made for you and it'll take like three or four months if i ever go to texas i'm definitely doing that yeah i've never been to texas it's a pretty nice little place do you think we have any corporate lunch listeners in texas right now that know about cowboy boots i'd love to hear from them via Sam Hine, not directly to me, please. Wow, episode 55 of Corporate Lunch, the customer service fashion podcast brought to you live from the Content Tower. Um, Spring positivity and vibes. 13 vibes? Should we do it? 13 vibes. Shall I offer us the first vibe? Please. Um, The first vibe is... Silk shirts. Wow. What are the chances we've done that before? Very high, right? I'm doing it again because I'm wearing a silk shirt today. I don't think we've done it. Really? Yeah. I have a couple silk shirts that I love. Um, Supreme makes great silk shirts. I'm sorry. I'm sorry to say that. I know a lot of people don't want to hear that, but it's true. Thanks for the reminder. I'm about to cop some of the Supreme Gautier stuff. Oh, Supreme Gautier is launching. Um that's a vibe too. That's an incredible shout out Collier Shore, for, who shot the Supreme Gautier campaign. Yeah. Uh, silk shirts are amazing, and I tell you, the best silk shirts on the market for your money are coming from Our Legacy. Shout out Yakum. But uh, Sam is wearing Our Legacy boots, and I'm wearing an Our, Our Legacy silk shirt. I'm wearing an Our Legacy sweater. It's sort of dusty navy. How would you describe my shirt, Rachel? Uh, washed desert sky. <laughs> <laughs> It feels great, and now is is uh, and uh, people will probably want to touch it, and I'll have to be slap their hand away and say no. <laughs> Rachel, next vibe. Princess Diana. <laughs> Big surprise! Do you guys all follow Rachel on Instagram? Yeah, I, I'll wait. Yeah. Um, what's your Instagram yes. handle? Uh, the Profit Pizza. It's Are you hard to find? A, no, I'm not. But I should have more followers because <laughs> my content is insane. All right. I'm just going to leave it there, but go on. Well, so it's interesting when we're talking about uh, cowboy boots. One woman who really wore cowboy oh, boots yeah. in an extremely advanced way was Princess Diana. She had this amazing pair of cowboy boots that were not, I think they were, they must have been, for, I think she went to like John Lobb and was like, make me some cowboy boots. <laughs> because the toe is not a cowboy boot shape, uh, nor does it have a Cuban heel, but it has that kind of, it has like poles the on upper, the top. Yeah. yeah, a cowboy boot upper, and, and she has one pair that like has a little fringe on it. It's not some sort of like other equestrian thing? Mm-mm. Yeah. That no, no one could ever ride a horse effectively with like tasseled boots in that way. Okay. Good to know. But anyways, she would often like tuck jeans. Oh, yeah. Or even sweatpants. Yeah, that's mm. why you were rolling your eyes at Sam's rules earlier. Exactly, exactly. I'm re- I'm reconsidering everything yeah. now. You reconsider your whole life. The so. best outfit that she ever wore, and I guess I should say, I wrote a little story about this yeah. that is online on GQ.com right now. It's in the magazine GQ. Yeah. The uh, which is related to GQ.com. April issue, the one with J Cole on the cover. Yep. But the best outfit that she wore, which I think anyone, man or woman, could copy, is cowboy boots mm-hmm. with a white sweatsuit. Mm-hmm. The sweatpants tucked into the cowboy boots with a huge, like oversized men's tweed blazer yep. on top and a baseball cap. 
I mean, it's a it's the look of all looks. It's why um, Princess Di is the true street style king, which is what that story is all about. You should read Rachel's story, and she is an expert on Princess Di and Princess Di's style. So, uh, and if you remember the first time you were on Corporate Lunch ever, uh, many many years ago, episode two. It was you episode two. It, yeah. mm-hmm. We talked about that. We did. I remember that. Uh, okay. For the first time in Corporate Lunch history, I just copped a vibe during 13 Vibes. Come on, I just bought man. a Supreme I'm about to throw your shirt. laptop. What does it look like? Get I me one. I got the Gautier one. Still in stock. Eh, hmm. that's feeling a little hypey for me. I don't go for the collabs. All right. I like the mainline stuff. Sick. My vibe is Bianca Saunders. Um, he's a young designer out of London. Um, Aren't they all? Yeah, just so much heat coming out of London right now. Um, she's done two collections, um, and I think it's only available at, I want to say, matches. Um, but she has one of the best leather jackets I've ever seen coming out in the fall. Um, and I think Bianca Saunders is just a fantastic designer slash brand name. So <laughs> shout out, <laughs> shout out Bianca. Uh, the next vibe is also a London thing, a a secret. It's not a secret. I don't know if it's a secret or not. Maybe everyone knows, but a source for me is a shop in London called open as usual. And I've never been, but I'm a big fan of their Instagram and their website, which is a little tricky. doesn't always load so great you guys. So work on that. But open as usual only sells tees and sweatshirts. And uh, they're sourced from mostly the U.S. and Japan. And a lot of the stuff I really dig, a lot of the Made in USA stuff like Goodwear and Camber and a couple others and then some Japanese stuff like Oralee can be found there. But I like to check them out to see what they're stocking. And then, um, well, often, like, I'm not going to buy a Made in USA T-shirt from a shop in London because it's going to cost twice as much. But uh, open as usual. Open as usual is a dope little shop that exists on the internet and in real life. Rachel, give us a vibe. Holland and Holland. So Holland. Is that Sam's wallet? Yeah. <laughs> what is that? Trying to pay us off. Good God. I pulled my wallet out because I was buying Why is it so bloated? Yeah. What's in there? Yeah, and it's not Just bloated in a like daddy bills. fat sack. It looks way. It's like dead. <laughs> All right. Anyway. Holland and Holland. Yeah. Holland and Holland is a um it's a British three band. British things in a row. Yeah. Sorry. I mean, it's it, it's from the it's I think it started in the late 19th century. Really what happened was that, like I was looking when I was doing this Eric Clapton story last week. I was Why didn't we talk about that? Well, because people, you know, don't need to hear everything. They need to take it in with their eyes and brain. That's true. And uh, so one thing that Brit- that uh, Eric Clapton got really into are like this these British country clothing brands, yeah, which like nothing like that exists in America, and I think is such a weird and special, yeah, um, thing. And so I it's was a little of, bit what like LL Bean or Lands End exactly. like could be if we had any fucking taste in this country exactly but they're much more expensive and of course yeah, high on stuff at this point a little more like glamorous than yeah. like holland and holland had stella tenant and like one of the recent ad yeah. campaigns but it's just like everything is like very classic and almost kind of boring yeah and unfashiony but just made with like really beautiful fabrics yeah. and i got a blazer from there recently that i 
I'm really happy with. Country clothes. Country clothes. British country clothes. Get like a nice pair of lug sole brogue boots maybe to mm-hmm. wear with them. Mm-hmm. Trickers. I love trickers. Sam, you better follow that up with a great vibe that's not from the UK. All right. Here's my non-British vibe. Kerwin uh-huh. um, Frost. Oh, yeah. Um, this so fucking guy. Kerwin, he's a DJ. He's a fashion troll. He Me too. wears really enormous clothing. Well, he's a big He's an guy. absolute unit. He has a pencil tattooed, tattooed on his face. Yeah, he has a pencil tattoo on his face that he got when he was 14. Kerwin's um, been from a, John Boy. a guy on the scene Ooh. for many years now. He's part of... He was part of a wave of like, what's the pizza guy called? Pizza ass, pizza. ass? yeah. <laughs> pizza. Right, he's part ass of. He's, and he's a spaghetti boy. They basically what they just hung out in Soho and kind of. They were weird. They were a little bit. They were like freaks. They were like young Soho freaks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that they sort of got noticed somehow. Yeah. yeah, they hung out in Soho when like Virgil and Matthew Williams and Heron Preston were hanging out in Soho. So they also they sort of like fell in with the like designers of you know this sort of streetwear revolution and um they've all kind of they were like the groupies they've all kind of pivoted at a very young age yeah Yeah, they were little yeah kerwin was like 18 or something he dropped out of high school when he was 16 and then just like started hanging out in soho um not the path not the path to take folks and he sort of scammed his way into like they invented the clout corridor yeah they yeah yeah um and he sort of scammed his way into being like uh, a real like sort of top tier influencer guy who top tier DJs did he all have these uh, fashion parties and he culturally significant parents or anything no not at all um, we had him come by the GQ studio and he brought a couple of Ramoas of clothing and um, a couple Ramoas of Jesus and that's he, how I uh, come to work every day yeah. <laughs> and he dressed up for us and um, what did he wear really like sick. Craig Green and stuff like that yeah he wore Jeremy Scott. Um, that's cool. He wore some Palm Angels stuff. Shout out wore, Jeremy Scott. Palm Angels. Yeah. Good God. He wore, he wore a pair of um, silicon feet slippers, like giant, like veiny silicon feet that he put over his feet. Like huge feet. Like gag Great. shoes. Pretty gross. Like ga- yeah. yeah, like clown foot like shoes. From a, from a costume store. Yeah, and then he wore those um, those clown shoes that are like eight feet long. I joke about Kerwin because he's a silly guy and he has a tattoo of a pencil on his face, but he seems hilarious. I remember when Kanye was doing, wasn't it in Wyoming for the mm-hmm. album listening? Kerwin did a video series there. Did, yeah. was, did Kanye end up just hosting that on his website? Is that yeah, why I saw it? Yeah, yeah. And it's actually pretty hilarious. He's sort of roaming around, like trying to hang out and be friends with everyone and um, being, his shtick is like being outgoing and awkward, sort of. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, he is actually like I think legitimately nervous to you know because he's yeah. like a real fan of these people, and so when he's going up to like Dave Chappelle at the Kardashians Christmas party and like yeah. trying to fuck with him, you know, he's kind of like, oh shit. Uh, shout out to the young freak, Carwin. Shout out to the young freaks, Rachel and Sam. Do you guys have any last words? Freak Noah. <laughs> Don't say that. All thirteen vibes have been gotten in. Uh, yeah, count them up. Episode 55, what a day. Uh, enjoy the weather. Enjoy your life. Be Spread positivity. Uh, write a review on Apple about this podcast. Um, tell your friends to Only listen if it's to positive. it. Subscribe. Tell your parents about us. Um, tell us. Get a pair of Cuban heel boots. Wear them with shorts and send us a picture. We'll see you for episode 56 when whenever that happens. Summer hours. We're posting on Fridays for the summer. If that works for you, great. If it doesn't, 
you can send a letter to Condé Nast. <laughs> you can send a complaint letter. All right. Peace.